the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The 30th and penultimate morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2018. The President of the United States says they're not coming in. I think what uh, the President has been saying and will continue to say, and, and certainly what uh, what I have been saying, is uh, this caravan is not getting in. Uh, there's a legal way to enter this country. Uh, those who choose to enter illegally will be stopped. We are working with our partners in Mexico. They have taken unprecedented efforts uh, with in their territory uh, to ensure an orderly flow and that those who have no legal right to be there are removed. Uh, We intend to do the same, but my general message to this caravan is do not come. You will not be allowed in. There is a right way to emigrate to the United States, and this is not it. That was Homeland Security Secretary uh, Kirsten Nielsen talking about the uh, caravan. The president doubled down yesterday. This caravan is not, they're wasting their time. They are not coming What's the military the going to be able to do? Obama, um, They'll be uh, able Obama to do and fine. Bush both sent the National Guard. But it had no effect. They're not me. This is the, I'm sending up the military. This is the military. And they're standing there. And one thing that will happen. No lethal force. When they're no. captured, we don't let them out. What has been happening, and we're not as of pretty recently, we're not letting them out. What happens is they would catch and release we're catching. We're not releasing. So if they want to come over, but we're not even doing that. We're not letting them into this country. Not letting them in and not releasing them once they are caught. But is that possible from a legal standpoint? Joining us now to talk about that and much more is our friend David Ray from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. David, good morning, sir. How are you? Doing great, Bob. How about you? I'm good. You know, when I scheduled this interview with you today, I wanted to talk about those things, the uh, the weaponization of migration as this caravan pushes north. I wanted to talk about whether or not the president could physically stop them from coming in and even getting to the uh, port of entry to make their asylum claim by way of the military, and then the catch and release. Little did I know, when we scheduled this interview, we would also have something else to talk about. Uh, very quickly, David Ray. On immigration, some legal scholars believe you can get rid of birthright citizenship without changing the constitution with an executive order exactly right uh have you thought about that yes tell me more it was always told to me that you needed a constitutional amendment yes amendment you don't you don't Number one. Number one, you don't need that. Number two, I mean, that's, in dispute. You could definitely that's very much in dispute. Well, you can definitely do it with an act of Congress, but now they're saying I can do it just with an executive order. I don't know who they are, but they are telling him we can end the 14th Amendment birthright citizenship with an EO, David Ray. So we got a lot to get into here. Let's start with uh, reverse chronological order here and go with the most recent. What is your response to what you heard from the president in that Axios interview that is going to air on HBO? Well, Bob, you know, hallelujah, we've been calling for an end to birthright citizenship since FAIR was founded nearly 40 years ago. Just to be clear, birthright citizenship for illegal aliens is based on an incorrect reading of the 14th Amendment that was meant to confer automatic citizenship to to former slaves who were now emancipated and their children who were being born in the United States to clarify 
if there was any question that the slaves and their children are full citizens of the United States, it was never intended to be applied to illegal aliens. The Supreme Court has never ruled on that question, and it's just been a misinterpretation of uh, the constitutional amendment that has been on autopilot. We believe that, I mean, obviously there are already exceptions to that if you are a foreign diplomat in the United States. See, it's based, it, first of all, it's based on the, the, uh, the clause, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. In other words, subject to the juris, uh, jurisdiction of the American government. So already because of that, foreign military who are here in the U.S., if they have babies, uh, diplomats here in the U.S., if they have children, their children are not automatically citizens of the United States. People who are here as legal immigrants, they are subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. Their children are automatically citizens, regardless of whether or not the, the legal immigrants have become citizens. But if you're here illegally, the government doesn't know you're here, you are not subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. Therefore, your children should not automatically be U.S. citizens. And then there's all the, obviously the downside. David, David, define, define jurisdiction for me. What does it mean to be the, to subject to the jurisdiction of the United States? Because some are going to say, well, that means they don't have to follow the laws, right? If they have to follow American law while they're here, they are subject to the jurisdiction. Can they be arrested and, 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 and um, convicted and jailed in the United States for breaking laws while they are here illegally? And if the answer is yes, they are now subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. So how are you defining that? Well, we're saying that if the government doesn't know that you are here, uh, and, and that is by definition what an illegal immigrant is, because if the government knows you're here, then you're a deportable alien, then you are therefore not fully under the jurisdiction. The government knows that I'm here right now. They know you're here right now. They know you were born here. We're talking about a population of people the government knows nothing about. They're living in the shadows. They're not here. Uh, and so therefore... Their children should not have automatic birthright citizenship. They are not uh, 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 subject to the allegiance and protection of the United States because they're not here in full knowledge of the American government. That's about the deepest I can go for you on it, Bob. Obviously, this is a, something that a legal scholar would I know. Yeah, exactly right. I, I get that, and, and that's why I just wanted <laughs> to get another view of it, because I'm not a lawyer either, and I just want to try to understand, because I know how they think, and this is what they're going to do. Well, you, yeah, the, opponents, the, the opponents that's of this are going to say, this, you know, they're not, they're, they are subject to the jurisdiction, and if they're not, that means you can't arrest them if they rob somebody. Or if they drive drunk, they're not subject to the jurisdiction, because they're not legal here, so therefore, uh, if they, if, if if you do arrest them, you are saying they're subject to the jurisdiction of the United States, and therefore uh, they have birthright citizenship. So that's the, that's the, the the you know the concern I have is what they're going to argue. We know how they operate. Right. Yeah. So do you do you? And again, not being a lawyer, uh, I understand David, but just from your own observation and your own working with Fair, um, can the president by EO do this, or does it take a congressional authorization to change the Fourteenth Amendment? We we believe that uh, it's possible that the White House has found some way to word an executive order, but uh, exactly how they're going to do that and how it's going to be said, uh, put forth, is, is a completely unanswered question. And I think the president probably surprised a lot of the White House staff when he came out with this last night. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I'm sure he did, and that's the that's kind of one of the weird things about our president. You know, with all of the great things that he does and is doing, sometimes he just says things, I think, a little bit too fast, and people are like, whoa, 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 what do you mean we've been advising you about that? We haven't talked about this yet. So time will tell. And maybe what you said, David, about the 14th Amendment, you know, in the very beginning when you said it's an incorrect reading of it, maybe they don't have to change it. Maybe it's not a constitutional amendment, but an EO that says... Uh, children of illegal immigrants in this country are not subject to the 14th. The 14th, as you said, was written uh, to to uh, refer to the descendants of emancipated slaves in the United States to confer upon them full citizenship. Um, right. And, and, and that's not what we're talking about here in, in 2018 America when we're talking about illegal immigrants in this country. Right. You know, I mean, this question has been answered in terms of the children of legal immigrants. That court case came at the end of the uh, 1800s, I think it was 1898, and it was found that if people who are in the country legally, if they have children, then those children are automatically citizens. But the specific question of illegal immigrants has has yet to be decided. And so the question is, we are going to need a clear, uh, either a the Trump administration, let's face it, whatever executive order the Trump administration puts forward is going to be challenged in the courts, and it is going to end up in the Supreme Court. Of course. And it will be the Supreme Court that will finally clarify this for us, one way or the other. And then this will either be put to rest, or it will be something that we're going to have to live with uh, for the rest of our lives. But, you know, if the children of illegal immigrants are automatically U.S. citizens, that just makes for even a better argument for Trump's border wall, for cracking down on illegal immigration to make it difficult for people to come here and live illegally. David Ray is our guest from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. David, let's uh, go to the border now and talk about the caravan. The president's sending 5,200 troops to the southern border. But in that interview that I played a clip of with uh, Laura Ingram last night, he said, we're going to use those the, the military to stop them from coming in. Laura Ingram says, yeah, but you can't use lethal force. And he said, also, we're not going to release them once we catch them, but we are not letting them in. What do you think he means by it? Because Laura's right. They're not going to shoot people as they try to cross the border right. or as they approach the port of entry to try to request asylum. They're not, you know. So what's the purpose of the 5,200 troops if they're not going to be able to physically, you know, use military force to stop these people? Right. Well, because of a law called Posse Comitatus, military personnel cannot be used to perform a civilian function. In other words, you can't put the military in Cleveland and have them re- replace the police officers there. Right. The military also likewise can't replace border patrol agents on the border. What they can do is serve as a backup. They can, uh, you know, transport illegal aliens after they've been apprehended for the border patrol. They can monitor uh, devices. They can help put up barriers. They can do all those things, but they cannot arrest people who are in the country illegally. And so the military's presence would completely free up all border patrol personnel who've been trained extensively in immigration enforcement, put them on the border to stop this. In terms of how do you keep people out from stepping a toe in the United States when we don't have a fence and we don't have you know walling where a lot of the people are coming through, that right. is a real question. We know the second that you place one toe in the United States, you say the words political asylum, you're guaranteed a court process and a court date that's probably three or four years down So I think what the president is saying is we're going to do everything we can to keep you out, that you are not welcome. Uh, We know that you are not legitimate refugees because 
the uh, caravan has already been offered refugee status by Mexico, and they've turned it down. They are simply economic uh, people looking for a better, better economic slice of the pie. Uh, and those are called legal immigrants. And if you want to legally immigrate to the United States, go home and apply from your home embassy. You're, this is not the way to do it. Busting down the border gate like they did to Mexico and storming into Mexico, that is not the way to start your American dream, and we're not going to tolerate it. So I think what's going to happen is if they do get past the, the border deterrence and are uh, arrested by the Border Patrol, they are going to be held indefinitely uh, by the uh, Department of Homeland Security until their asylum hearings are put through the court system and then they will be removed. We know the problem is, is with the catch and release, when they are released, 80 to 90 percent of them never show up for their hearings anyway. Of course. So it just, yeah, it just, you know, you, you know how that story goes. Which it is why the law needs to change. Right. Which is why the law about a political asylum needs to change. I'm going to talk more about right. that in a moment. I, I've got to get a traffic here. Can you come right back with me in a moment? You got it. Thank you, David. David Ray, Federation for American Immigration. Come. All right, 1025 now, the Bob Francis three. <laughs> Every time I hear this song, I just want to, like, punch myself. Uh, David Ray uh, joining us from the Federation for American Immigration Reform once again. All right, David. Um, so we're talking about uh, putting 5,200 troops on the ground uh, uh, at the border to try to stop these people from coming in. But once they do step one toe on American soil, as you say, they can claim asylum. Now, currently, U.S. asylum uh, uh, laws are, are worded this way. You have to meet one of five criteria, claiming credible persecution in your homeland on the basis of race, nationality, religion, political affiliation, or uh, uh, you're belonging to a certain social group. Now, right. that's pretty broad, and that's pretty wide, especially when you get to the last two. Right. What can we do to change that to make it very limited and narrow in scope to specifically governmental persecution uh, based on political acts? Because right now it's just so wide open that anybody can make a claim and say, I'm being persecuted in some way, shape, or form. You have to give me a hearing. Well, Bob, I mean, it's even worse than that. Under the Obama administration, the definition was broadened to include anybody from a society with generalized violence or anybody in a bad relationship. So the Trump administration is right now trying to reel that definition back in. The, there's several problems with, asyl, with, the, with the asylum laws. One of them is the threshold. In other words, the burden of proof of what you have to do or say to qualify for the court hearing, which is now, you know, there's 700,000 cases ahead of you if you come in today. Uh, so what we need to do is to make the burden of proof on the applicant uh, uh, tougher, so that just uttering the words political asylum, which is generally all you have to say... Uh, guarantees you a hearing. Guarantees you to a hearing three or four years down the road, and you're never going to show up for it. There was a decision that was made, um, a court settlement called the Flores decision, which found that if you that children uh, cannot be held by the government for more than 20 days, and that's why people are showing up, hordes of people are showing up now uh, with children in tow. Sometimes these kids are even kidnapped. If you have a child in tow, you're virtually guaranteed you can't be held for more than 20 days, and then you're released. And the Flores agreement has all but has been the jet engine behind the catch and release program. So Congress knows there are several of these loopholes that need to be closed. It, uh, 
It, they were contained in the Goodlatte bill earlier this year that did not get enough sponsorship from Republicans and got zero votes from the Democrats. Uh, and there's also a, tra- a child trafficking law that was was written in a way that is being exploited if you're uh, an underage Mexican or underage t- Canadian kid caught trying to enter the United States illegally, you can be returned to your country. If you're a Central American kid, you can't be returned. You have to, it's, it's an automatic assumption that you're a victim of child trafficking, even though in most cases they aren't. So we have to, uh, it's called TVPRA, it's a, uh, child trafficking law, and then it's <clears throat> the Flores settlement, which has really fueled the, uh, you know, family, uh, people arriving, adults with children coming in, trying to ask for political asylum, essentially using their children as shields against our immigration laws. Yeah, and that's exactly what we saw with the quote-unquote separation of children that everybody decried uh, previous right. to that, because we can't you know, detain children with adults in adult uh, you know, jails or, or detention centers. Now, the president said uh, uh, last night, I think it was also part of this Axios interview, no, I beg your pardon, this was during the Fox News interview with Laura Ingram, he talked about tent cities. He's going to build tent cities for thousands of migrants uh, who are seeking asylum, and I'm thinking presumably he means the caravan. And, oh, by the yeah. way, not a lot of people realize, the second caravan that is on the heels of the first that is now yeah, breaching the Guatemala-Mexico border. Yeah, it's just busted through the Mexican border, yeah. and the third, third caravan is forming in El Salvador. Let me tell you, this is the weaponization of migration, something that this country hasn't seen since 1980s. Mariel Boatlift. That started off with a trickle, and before we knew it, we had 125,000 Cubans in South Florida. The difference between Cuba and Central America is that there are 41 million people in Central America, and they can walk here. So let me tell you, if we don't get a handle on this quickly, we are in big trouble. We're in, in for a world of hurt. In terms of the tent cities, if the president can get an extension of the Flores Agreement that basically says... If you come in here with your children as a family unit, you can be the children can be held with their parents as long as it takes to get the asylum hearing. Then they can put they can house those folks in tent cities. Families will not be divided for they years. Well, because you're saying it takes what, three or four years to get one of those well, asylum hearings, what, and I know you're right. So, are we yeah. talking about holding them indefinitely until then? And if so, who provides for them? Who gives them food? What 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 facilities are they going to use? Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's all. Education of the children, feeding of the of people who are in, incarcerated, that's all on the U.S. taxpayer. What, I would, what we have called for, and the United States has done this in the past, before the Flores Agreement even existed, was to bring in roving immigration courts to these tent cities and to expedite these cases. And so when, once you start a process where people are coming in asking for asylum and then being sent home in a number of weeks, this whole thing will stop dead in its tracks because it's too costly and too much of a hassle to get here. But we have to start. We, right now, illegal immigration is being incentivized because of the loopholes in our asylum laws. If we can get the tent cities put up, have people go into them, and then do roving asylum courts right there in those tent cities and, and, and prioritize those hearings first, once we start sending people back to Central America, we will nip this in the bud. Would it also be on our dime to get them back? Do we have to drive them back on buses, or do we say, hey, you walked here, you can walk back, turn around, go back? No, I mean, we are very likely going to buy them bus tickets or plane tickets or what have you and send them back home. 
Uh, that's why it's so it's costly to incentivize illegal immigration. Getting rid of somebody, deporting them, finding them, giving them the legal process is expensive. What the president will hopefully do by his strong words and by putting the military on the border is to dissuade people. Well, that's right. <laughs> dissuade people from uh, continuing their voyage north. You know, anybody in that caravan can go to the consulate in Honduras or in El Salvador and apply for citizen uh, apply for a green card to the United States, wait their term and come here come here legally. That's the way to do it. This is not the way to start your American dream. You're going to be sent home. Uh, really great stuff, David Ray. Thank you so much for the time. We're past our time. I appreciate you working over for us. Uh, we'll catch up with oh, you again good, down the line. Good. Great being with you, Bob. Thank you, David. David from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Let's get news now on AM 1420. Forrester and the Ad Council. This is Sebastian Gorka, former strategist of Donald J. Trump. Under President Trump, American leadership is being restored. But that doesn't mean our enemies have disappeared. In my new book, Why We Fight, Defeating America's Enemies with No Apologies, we take off the blinders of political correctness from the Obama years and learn how we can vanquish enemies without mortal combat. Sebastian Gorka's new book, Why We Fight, is available now from Amazon and Barnes & Noble. There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. 1037 now, the Bob France Authority continues. 23 minutes of outstanding awesome left for you. Before we turn it over to Mike Gallagher, Dennis Prager, Michael Medved, Jay Sekulow, and Larry Elder, I will not promote Joe Walsh until he stops uh, being a member of the resistance. Sorry, just not going to do it. Um, so uh, plenty of opportunities, guest-free between now and uh, 11 o'clock in these 23 minutes. Dial 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. I want to uh, share something that was uh, shared with me. By a friend, a listener, uh, and a great activist, uh, Khalid uh, Namar, who does uh, some very, very important work um, in uh, bringing citizenship to young people, particularly in the inner city, but uh, really all over. Um, he sent me a note saying, this is the explanation of why you do not need a constitutional amendment to end birthright citizenship. And it was written by Steve King, Representative Steve King from Iowa, who says, the keys to understanding birthright citizenship. One, the plain meaning of the 14th Amendment means that one must one must both be born in the United States and be subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Since there are two explicit requirements, they both cannot be met by simply being born on U.S. soil. Now, I don't want to challenge that because I want to agree with it, but I'm looking for a way to do so. I'm looking for the linguistic gymnastics necessary to make that be be the case. The language of the 14th Amendment, the Citizenship Clause, quote, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. Born or naturalized and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. I'm, I'm trying to do the gymnastics here to find a way to, for that to mean you have to be both of those things 
And how can one not make you the other? If you are born in the United States, are you not subject to the jurisdiction thereof? That's the problem I have here as I look for, and I'm again, I'm, I'm trying to play, you know, not really devil's advocate, but I'm trying to, to anticipate the arguments of the opponents of this um, and, and see how to overcome them. That's what they will say. They will say if you are born here, you are subject to the laws of the United States and thus its jurisdiction. Therefore, you meet both standards. You were born here, and you were subject to the jurisdiction at the say at the time you were being born here. You are required to follow the laws here. Therefore, you're subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. That's what they're going to say. I don't know how to beat that. Steve King continues to write, The history of the drafting of the 14th Amendment makes clear that the language, subject to the jurisdiction thereof, meant a citizen could not owe allegiance to any other former or any other foreign power. This excludes illegal immigrants who are in defiance of U.S. jurisdiction and are citizens of a foreign power. Again, legal hurdles, or excuse me, language hurdles to overcome here. Jurisdiction seems to be the operative word. Does jurisdiction thereof mean you have no allegiance to a foreign power? And if so, what do we say about dual citizenship? I, I just, you know, jurisdiction, for, for lack of a better way to, to describe it or to define it, jurisdiction means the power to make legal decisions and judgments. Um, a second definition, if I just look at this up real quick, uh, the extent of the power to make legal decision and ju- decisions and judgments. And thirdly, a system of law, courts, uh, 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 adjudicature. So what does that mean? It, it sounds to me like it means if you are subject to the jurisdiction of the country, that country can make you follow its laws. You, It, it can use legal judgments against you or to judge you. The extent of the power to make legal decisions and judgments. If there is an attorney, from time to time I'll say this, and I'll get an attorney call, and it works out really well. But if there's an attorney listening right now who's got thoughts on this, particularly constitutional scholars, let me know what you think about that. Because the definition of jurisdiction, to me, would indicate that perhaps what Steve King wants to be the case here is not really the case here. That once you're born here, according to the 14th Amendment, once you're born here, you have um, the, uh, the the country rather has jurisdiction over you in that you have to follow its laws. That's again, ju- that's just the way that I'm the way that I'm reading it, uh, and I could be reading it incorrectly. But back to um, uh, Steve King's piece on this, who says you don't need a, 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 a constitutional amendment to change the 14th or to uh, to end birthright citizenship. He says, the Supreme Court has never held that children of illegal immigrants born in the United States are automatically citizens. And because the Supreme Court has not interpreted the Constitution to mandate automatic birthright citizenship, the Congress can pass a law to correct the current misguided and incorrect policy of automatically granting citizenship to to children of illegal immigrants. Okay, let's assume that last part is true, and I certainly hope that it is. That at least we can just have the Congress pass a law to correct that misguided policy. Is that the same thing as letting a president issue an EO? Can the president issue an executive order and have that carry the same weight as a law passed by the Congress and end birthright citizenship? The president says yes. Again, I want to believe him. I'm on his side. I'm just 
questioning whether or not he's right. I On don't immigration, know. some legal scholars believe you can get rid of birthright citizenship without changing the Constitution. With an executive could, order. Exactly. Right. Uh, have you thought about that? Yes. Tell me more. It was always told to me that you needed a constitutional amendment. Right. Fourth Amendment. You don't. You don't. Number one. Number one, you don't need that. Number two, I mean, that's in dispute. You could definitely that's very much in dispute. Well, you can definitely do it with an act of Congress, but now they're saying I can do it just with an executive order. Now, how ridiculous. We're the only country in the world where a person comes in, has a baby, and the baby is essentially a citizen of the United States for 85 years with all of those benefits. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And it has to end. Yeah, it does have to end, and it is ridiculous. And also, it's not just about that baby then growing up in this country with all of the benefits that it offers, et cetera, et cetera, for 85 years. It's the fact that the parents then use the existence of that American child by by way of the law in the 14th Amendment. It's an American child to say, you can't split up my family. You cannot deport me while keep my child here. Where? In the U.S. foster care system? Or are you going to make my child go back with me to a foreign country that isn't theirs because they were born here? They're an American citizen. They don't know the language and the culture in the country that I came from. That's the problem. They use and abuse the laws. Back to Steve King. Steve King addresses the jurisdiction question that I was discussing this way. By its own terms, the language in the amendment precludes the notion of universal automatic birthright citizenship. It would have been quite simple for the language to exclude, to exclude, quote, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, to accomplish the goal of bestowing citizenship on any child born in the United States, no matter the status of their parents. The 14th Amendment's addition of a jurisdictional requirement to the territorial requirement, however, denies any interpretation that birth alone grants citizenship. Now, he also writes, as I tried to do, anticipating what the opponents of um, and the supporters of birthright citizenship and the opponents of those of us who want to get rid of it, anticipating their argument, Steve King of Iowa writes, counter to this logic, proponents of universal automatic birthright citizenship claim that those born in the United States necessarily are subject to the jurisdiction of the country. That's something that I just anticipated they would they would say. However, writes Steve or Representative King, this renders the language subject to the jurisdiction thereof superfluous. Why would the drafters of the 14th Amendment include this qualifier at all if it was met simply by virtue of being born in the United States? The legislative history outlined below will make clear that the addition of subject to the jurisdiction thereof was designed specifically to make sure the people granted citizenship did not have divided political loyalties. And then it goes into the legislative history of the 14th Amendment. Obviously, we've talked about emancipated children of emancipated slaves wanting to grant them full citizenship. It was necessary for that reason. And, of course, that's very, very different than what we're talking about. You know, Africans brought to the United States against their will, who then had children, uh, a little bit different than people in just the opposite circumstances. They are defying America's will and coming to the United States of their own accord illegally. And then having children, uh, I think one side should certainly have been granted citizenship by way of the 14th Amendment from 1868. Absolutely. No question about it. But that the other is, well, just the opposite. Uh, you cannot be allowed to benefit, nor your child benefit from your own illegal activities. Under the Constitution and reiterated by the Supreme Court, Congress has plenary power over immigration and naturalization. Eh... I'm going to back off on that from Steve King because I disagree. 
Congress doesn't have plenary power over immigration or naturalization. They gave the president plenary power in, in, in certain circumstances by way of the INA, the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1952, that says the president has the authority, as he deems necessary, to suspend by proclamation, that means without congressional approval, by proclamation, otherwise known as an EO, that for however long he deems necessary, uh, he can suspend the entry of anyone into the United States, be they illegal immigrant, be they, be they non-immigrants, be they refugees, be they, be they asylum seekers. The president can do all of this on his own. So I wouldn't say Congress has plenary power. They share that power with the president, and they gave it to him. We see this in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. Section 5 of the 14th Amendment explicitly grants Congress the power to enforce the Citizenship Clause. Not only does Congress have the power of naturalization in Article 1, but the 14th Amendment provides Congress the power to enforce the Citizenship Clause. Together, these two provisions make it clear there is no need to amend the Constitution to change the current faulty birthright citizenship policy. Congress has the power and duty to say who can be a citizen of the United States. The legislative branch has a responsibility to uphold the Constitution. And on the issue of birthright citizenship, it is clear the plain meaning of the citizenship clause, as originally understood, is being violated. The Congress can and should make legislative fixes necessary to correct this problem. This, again, uh, these are the words of uh, Congressman Steve King of Iowa. All right, uh, where are we going here? Uh, How about... Laguna Beach, California? Is that right? I'm not doing one of the national shows right now. I'm not doing the Elder or the Hewitt or the Prager show. I don't get calls from California unless I'm doing those. But, Linda, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Hey, hey, Bob. Jeez, that was a history lesson. You know yeah, wh- more than Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You know that, don't you? <laughs> well, I was, I was quoting Steve King on most of that, so I'm giving the credit to him. But we all have to right, learn right. this together. Right. But, you know, she was at some conference, some woman's conference that was last year, and she didn't know what the 14th Amendment was, and they had to give her a pocket constitution to refresh her memory. Are you serious? <laughs> I did not see that. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. that's oh, yeah. troubling. Okay. <laughs> and not surprising, yeah. however. No, not surprising. Well, you know, I'm calling because you're talking about illegals, and we're bracing for the biggest overrun. And I guess aside from this mob, there's two more mobs behind it. That's right. Last night, I, I heard Trump uh, tell Laura Ingram they're going to set up tents. Tent encampments. Yes, to tent cities. People. Yeah, and one by one profile them. I mean, Jesus. I guess he has to do that politically because he can't like just, you know, I don't know. Well, we, well, 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 I mean, the, the rule is, according to the law right now, if you request asylum uh, in the United States, if you step one foot onto American soil and say, I'm seeking asylum from persecution in my home country for whatever reason that is, that we have to grant them a hearing. Uh, the, but another law says we can't hold them for more than 20 days in any of our facilities before they get their hearing. And since the backlog is years long, we have to let them go. So the president is essentially saying, okay, we'll let you stay, but you're going to have to stay in a tent city. We're not just going to turn you loose into the continental U.S. to disappear <laughs> wherever it is that you want to go. We're going to keep track of you here until you're hearing. But as I said to, uh, to David Ray, I don't know what that means. A tent is a tent. It doesn't have plumbing. It doesn't have shower and toilet facilities. Uh, and, and, and are we going to provide those uh, infrastructure facilities for these tent city people of thousands, uh, as well as feeding them with U.S. tax dollars? I, I just don't know how all of that is going to work, actually, well, Linda. Yeah, well, it sounded like that's what he was talking about last night, because he was talking about how much money it was going to cost us. But you know here in California... You know what would cost us less than that? A wall. 
a wall would cost us less than exactly. that, and then they can't get over here anyway. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, no. You know, here in California, we're well over 2 million illegals. And the problem is, this is because the idiot voters in California decided to send Democrats to Sacramento. And what has that created? We are the highest poverty state in the country. We, we aside from Texas, well, we have more illegals than Texas does. Aside from that, we are the highest food stamp uh, uh, state. We give more food stamps out. And in, while, all, and while, in, also, while also being the highest taxed state. So where are your tax dollars going? They're not even enough to feed these people. Exactly. And, of course, you know, when it it has killed our debt here because it's bleeding into our resources in terms of our schools, in terms of health care. Oh, and by the way, if Gavin Gavin Newsom gets elected, not only is he going to open the border, he's giving free health care to all the illegals. Now, I'm hoping that Trump steps in and just closes the southern borders, because we can't do that. And I guess, I don't know if you remember, but I am a Buckeye. I'm born and raised Buckeye. I bleed scarlet and gray. I had No, I had forgotten that. Like I said, when I saw California on the screen, I thought, oh, my. I mean, it's a flashback to doing the national shows. I normally don't get calls from outside of Ohio, but now I understand why. You are a Buckeye, and so you are still oh. listening and loyal to, your, uh, uh, oh, to, to talk radio in your home state. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Linda, I'm glad you called. I I do need to let you loose now, though, because I'm late here for my last traffic, but I'm glad you called from out there in uh, a very, very distressing and depressing place called California. But I do appreciate that. Final check of traffic, a few more phone calls before we're done on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1056. I got time for maybe one or two quick ones here before we are done. Uh, we're going to go to Bo. I think it's Bo, either that or it's initials yeah, for B.O., Barack Obama. Uh, hey, uh, Bo, go ahead. <laughs> how are you doing? Hey, uh, in the past, all of our laws, uh, especially our foreign laws, come from Patel's Laws of Nations. That's where our founders got that. The jurisdiction thereof would be explained in those books. Also, Ann Coulter did a research on this stuff. Did you know that the Native Americans here in the United States were not citizens, even though they were all born here? They had to have a law passed in the 20s or the 30s to instate uh, citizenship upon them. So if uh, jurisdiction thereof applied to anyone who was just here and born, obviously it didn't to the Native Americans. So how could it to someone just crossing the border? Uh, that's a very good question, Bo. And 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 again, I I want that to be the determination as well. That the the jurisdiction does does not necessarily automatically apply the moment you were born here. Because I think Steve King made a good point. And so did you about the fact that uh, if you're born here, you're automatically subject to our laws. Therefore, jurisdiction. I just I'm looking for the right legalese to to get that done. And again, I, I have to believe there are a lot of people smarter than I who have tried this in the Congress, who have introduced bills that say we have to end birthright citizenship because of this, 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 and this. And they're not getting it done. So somewhere along the line, we're missing something. And I'm hopeful that the President of the United States is going to fix all that. John and Chardon, you're next on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, John, go ahead. Yeah, Bob, for all the reasons you've been discussing, I'm disappointed in President Trump's plan with the 10 cities. A couple weeks ago, Bob, you mentioned the idea of containing them with large equipment like tanks and snowplows, and I'd add bulldozers. Yeah, and just to, just to block I, them from the border so they can't get there to make their asylum claim, right? Right. 
And if that's not working, I'd employ mace and, and tear gas. And, of course, you get a lot of blowback from the Democrats and the mainstream drive-by media. But uh, And this may sound radical, but I think the majority of our people would, would support it. Um, well, I, I, I'm sure they probably would. Anybody who is who is supportive of American sovereignty and protecting our borders would absolutely support uh, support this. The Democrats, of course, would not. And guess what? The, you know, not to not to just be you know uh, uh, lazy on this, but the, the American people decide what they support. Do they support? Uh, do they support what we're talking about? Blocking the border, physically restraining people from getting to the border to cross it illegally and then make their asylum claims or allowing for an open border society to exist in the United States. And I am confident that one week from today, the American people will speak in the same way that they did in 2016 when we were asked the same question. Do we want an open border or do we want a border wall? We voted for the president who said bring us a border wall. And I am hopeful that's that's exactly, and whether that wall is temporarily tanks and trucks and everything else like we talked about or not, that's what I think is going to happen a week from today. Thanks again to my guest today. Thanks to you. Thanks to the staff. We'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.